Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church Podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. So glad that you're with us this morning. Let's open our Bibles up. We're going to go ahead and continue our series, uh, Jesus Over Everything. And last week, I I wanted to start with the end. And back out of the end, if you will. And the, the end was Jesus over death. Come on, he resurrected from the dead. And we celebrated that last week. I want Easter every week. Come on, somebody. He's still risen today. You know that, right? He's still risen. All right? So um, uh, today we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 28. And uh, I'm going to tackle a subject today that might be a little edgy for some of you, especially you've been raised in church. Um, and a lot of times, somebody said, uh-oh. Uh, but the... There's this uh, concept of doubt and unbelief, and I want to tackle that today, especially the, the side of doubt. Um, a lot of times we're put in situations and we have problems and things that happen, and we go through moments of doubt. Listen, we all go through it, okay? It doesn't mean that you have weak faith. It doesn't mean that you're, you're, you know, you're a little peon on the earth. No, I, wanna, I hope today will break off some religious chains off your life that will help you realize that Jesus is over your doubt. How do we respond to doubt? And so Matthew chapter 28, I'm actually going to read the resurrection story this morning, the week after Easter. And so Matthew 28 verse 1, early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. Amen. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said, just as he said, just as he said. Our God says something and he does it. What happened? Come see where his body was laying, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and hearing the story of the resurrection. It is the crowning proof that Jesus defeated death. It is the, it is the staple or the cornerstone of our faith as Christ followers is the resurrection of Jesus. Now, when you read the Bible, um, if you're new here, I want you to know I teach the Bible. I use the Bible. I want you to get into the Bible. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. I've had some people come to our church and say, man, you read a lot of scriptures. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures. Come on, man. I stand upon the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Come on. (laughs) How about this half over here? Come on, somebody. The Bible's still true. No matter what culture's doing, no matter what culture says, no matter how we're trying to change things and, and deal with our identity issues and all the stuff going on in culture. Look, I don't expect culture to act saved, but I do, act, I, do, I do expect those that profess to be Christians to act like they've read their Bible. Okay, we're going to keep moving. That's not for today. Praise the Lord. Scripture records 13 post-resurrection appearances of Jesus before he ascends to heaven. 
There's 13 encounters with the resurrection of Jesus. Before he's taken up into the clouds, before the disciples get their divine assignment of the Great Commission, Jesus appears to people 13 times. Now, I want to read a passage in Matthew 28, verse 16 and 17, that a lot of people miss when they read the Bible. And here's what it says. It says, Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But... Some of them doubted. Now think about this for just a minute. There he is. They came to worship him. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. Now I'm going to read this in a different translation. It says this. It says, meanwhile, the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain. Jesus had set for their reunion. There they're getting ready to meet. The the moment they saw him, they worshiped him. Some, though, listen to this terminology, held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. That there was this moment where some of them doubted even in the presence of the resurrected Savior. He told them, let's meet here, we're going we're gonna to interact, and they, some people saw him, and they worshiped, and some Doubted, but I want you to know something that of the people that were there, 11 disciples, it was the disciples, not lost people, people that had never met Jesus. It was the disciples. It was the people that had been with him for three years. It was the people that had seen him open blind eyes. It was the people that saw him do great miracles, water to wine, the whole deal. And they were still, there were some in the group of the disciples that doubted. Have you ever found yourself full of faith, and still have doubts? Now, see, I'm going to mess with some of your religious jargon this morning. I cut my teeth on faith. I want you to understand that. And I really believe there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. There's a big difference. There's times where I'm so close to God, where I feel like he's so present, he's so real, but some moments with God, it feels like he, where, hello, hi, it's me, there's moments where it's like, are, are you with me? I'm, I'm full. There's, there's moments where I'm full of faith, and then suddenly I'm not so sure. And, and, and this, this is what these guys were doing. Like, everyone is worshiping. Um, but, like, even in church today, some of you came in, and there's people worshiping. And some are just, right? And you're like, you're, you're the, the, the people that are, are the people that are like, is this real? Is this for real? Is this... Is this something that I need to engage in? And, but but you, you say you follow Jesus, but there's, there's a moment where it's like questions like, why doesn't he answer my prayer? Or, or things like, why do bad things happen to really good people? And see, when we live our lives in this state, when you, when you start to doubt, you get a scary feeling in your life. You get a scary feeling and you want to ask questions. Right When you get yourself into a place where you're experiencing doubt, you want to ask questions. And so, but a lot of times you worry that you're the only one and you feel guilty and ashamed because you're going to ask questions while wrestling with God. Did you know your life is not all ups, ups, ups full of faith? Do you know that there's times in your life where your faith feels little? Do you know there's times in your life that you will question? Oh, yeah, there'll be times in your life where you question. There's times in your life where you're not questioning Jesus and the resurrection. You're questioning what is going on in my world right now. 
You're questioning those things that are happening within your world. And listen, some people leave the church over this. Not our church. Amen. Everybody's coming. Come on, somebody. Some people, I'm talking internationally, that not, and it's not because God isn't good. It's because we've been taught that if we have questions, we don't have faith. We, we've been taught this way. But listen, but see, God, is, we, we know God's good, but we have questions, and then we don't feel safe asking those questions, and we can't safely express our doubts without feeling condemned. That's one layer. Because a lot of times in our life, we don't realize, listen, doubt is this. Doubt is wrestling with what you believe. Jacob experienced it. The disciples experienced it. You can't cast them out because they experienced some doubt. You can't say God will never use them. Last time I checked, all of them were martyred for Jesus. But some of them in resurrection, Jesus is standing in front of them. And they're like, I don't even know. Are you sure? The other ones were like full bore, like, ah, give it to me, Jesus. And then there's other ones that are just like, "Mm, I'm not real sure about that. But they were disciples. See, unbelief is this, is a determined refusal to believe. There's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is you're wrestling with what you believe. Unbelief is a determined refusal to believe. And so we all, I believe, battle doubts. We all experience a wrestling in our relationship with God. And why do we doubt? Why do we doubt? Because we have questions that we can't answer. We have questions that we can't answer, so doubt comes in. We, we, we also, why else do we doubt? It's because we have situations that seem unfair. We're experiencing things in our world and in our earth today that where it just seems like these situations are unfair. Or you have hurts in your life that you can't resolve. Some of you have doubted your relationship with God because you walk around with church hurt. Church hurt's a very real thing. Church hurt's a thing where maybe some, a leader lets you down or, or somebody in the church lets you down or, or they misuse you. Listen, I want you to understand today that it might have created some things in you of hurts that you can't resolve or maybe something like you experienced abuse as a kid. Why did that happen to me? Why did I have to experience that? Why did, the, if God is good, why did this happen to me? Right? Because all of a sudden it's, it's God is good, but I'm wrestling with why these things take place in our lives. And so you have to understand that your doubts handled properly can be a catalyst to a stronger faith. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. Your doubts handled properly can be a catalyst to a stronger faith. That as you wrestle with your doubts and understand that Jesus is over your doubts, then all of a sudden it creates a stronger faith in you. See, your your doubts don't have to take you away from God, but they can actually drive you closer to him. See, if you don't walk away from the process, look at your neighbor and say process. Oh, come on, do it better than that. Look at your other neighbor and say process. See, because you have to understand that your faith is a journey, not a destination. The the things that we experience in our life, that our faith is a journey, not a destination. You don't arrive. I don't care how big people say their faith is. You don't arrive. You don't graduate with perfected faith on this earth. It just doesn't have, well, I'm the big man of God. I got faith to move mountains. Hold on a second. 
Your faith is not perfected on the earth. Now, you can be mature in your faith. You can be an infant in your faith, but you'll never be perfect. You'll never graduate, which means you will experience things in your life that cause things to happen that allow you to maybe walk through some difficult, doubtful moments. I want to talk to those of you that are Christian parents in the room. How many of you have kids? Okay. How many of you have kids that are uh, a senior in high school and under? Okay. All right. I, I want to sh- share this with you because, listen, your kids are in church. Maybe they're, you're in church. You grew, they grew up in church. They've been in church their whole life. There is going to come a moment in your kid's life that they wrestle with this. There's going to come a moment where they wrestle with doubt. They're going to wrestle with these things, and they might ask you questions. Listen to me. Don't get disappointed when they start to ask hard questions. Actually create a safe environment for them to ask the question. Because if they don't have a safe environment in your house where you're like, my God, no, we're not doubting. By God, we're people of faith. Now strap your boots on and get to work. It's not going to work. Your kids are going to run away from God with questions. Right? And so we have to create an environment. Don't be disappointed. You have to understand this. They're questioning their faith and doubts in their life. Why? Because they grew up watching your faith. However, that's not a bad thing. Some of us, oh man, I don't know. Listen, listen, because maybe they're just asking questions to make your faith their faith. Maybe they're just asking questions to figure it out themselves. Maybe they're not looking for your faith. They want their faith, so they must ask questions. So parents, don't panic. Process. Don't freak out, oh my God, my kid's asking questions. Oh my God, I've been trying to teach them how to love Jesus their entire life, and now they're doubting? Listen, process with them. Create a safe environment. I believe the church and the home should be the safest place to ask hard questions. And if you haven't created that environment where they just got to, all the time, hold on, man, you're gonna, you're, they're going to they're be in trouble when they get older. Listen, the strongest faith isn't a faith that never doubts. The strongest faith is a faith that grows through your doubts. The strongest faith is a faith that grows through your doubts. Back to the resurrection. John 20, 24, 25. One of the 12 that were there with the the 12. It says, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. So he he was not there. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it until I uh, see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Notice they said, we've seen the Lord. This is actually an active voice moment where it's, it's literally, keep, they keep repeating. Like, we've seen the Lord. Like, constantly, we've seen him 13 times. We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. Thomas isn't a part of this. Okay, and so there is, this is the reason that Thomas was known as Doubting Thomas. Now, what you have to understand is Thomas gets a bad rap, and here's why, is, well, he's Doubting Thomas. He doesn't believe. Hold on a second. None of those other dudes were at the tomb waiting on him to get out of there. They were just in as much doubt and unbelief as anybody than in this moment. They, the only reason Thomas was in this place of doubt 
was because he hadn't seen the Lord yet. They already saw him. So they obviously, if you've seen him, you're going to be like, he's alive. You know what I mean? Like, but Thomas, for some reason, in this moment, is like, hey, you guys seen him. You put your finger in his side. Now I need to do that too. Right? And so Thomas, you have to understand, he gets this bad rap. But the only reason, listen, the only, again, he wasn't there. And so I think when I was reading this, I can relate to Thomas. Thomas was a realist. I believe Thomas had some hurts from life. I believe he had some disappointments. I have believe he had some very real, very authentic, and very sincere, but very complicated questions in this moment, Thomas did. And we call him Doubting Thomas, but at the end of the day, we always, we, 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 we have to understand that we've all been in this place. Listen, questions don't make you bad, they just make you human. They just make you human. I want to wrestle with God. I want to wrestle with these things that come into my life. And, and I'm not talking about the foundational truths. Hear me. I'm not talking about death, burial, resurrection, healing, all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when doubtful moments come in your life. When things happen that you're out of your control or things you can't heal or things you can't deal with, that report that comes. See, Oswald Chambers said it this way, doubt is not always a sign that man is wrong. It may be a sign that he is thinking. I love that quote. It's, it's not that he's wrong, it's that he's thinking. And we have to understand that our doubts don't disqualify our faith. Our doubts don't disqualify our faith. Our faith. And so if I was given the task of ranking the disciples according to spiritual strength and greatness of faith, I would probably put Thomas up towards the top. And here's why. Let's read last week's story about Lazarus. He says this in verse 14 of John 11. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, we could call Thomas T. Diddy if we wanted to. Come on, somebody. T. There, Didymus. T. All right. Said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. That doesn't sound like fear to me. That doesn't sound like doubt. That doesn't sound like unbelief. That sounds like courage. That sounds like great faith. Listen, Thomas, his questions were just because he wanted to know for himself. John 20, verse 26 and 28 says this. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. Listen to this. It says, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before Jesus was standing among them, peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound by my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe, my Lord and my God, Thomas explained. So all of a sudden, gee, they're in this room, and Thomas is there this time. Here's what I love about Thomas, is eight days later, after questioning these guys, he still showed up. Think about it. Eight days later, Thomas showed back up. And I want to encourage you today, just like Thomas, in the middle of your doubts, keep showing up. Keep going to God. Keep going to his presence. Steve, keep going to his word. Keep going to people. Keep going to church. Keep worshiping. Just keep showing up like Thomas does. And there's going to be a moment where Jesus just stands in the middle of it and says, touch me. Put your finger in my side. Go ahead. I honestly believe some people are like, well, why did he do that? First of all, if he said he wanted to, and secondly, I believe the other disciples already had done it. They'd already experienced this moment. Jesus, how did he respond to Thomas's doubts 
Jesus came to Thomas when he was doubting. Notice, your doubts don't repel the Lord from you. Now, it might repel people, especially the religious nose-in-their-air people. It might repel them. Oh, I'm not going to be around you. You have questions. You have doubts. You have unbelief in your life. But Jesus actually showed up when he was doubting. He gave him exactly what he needed. In the middle of his doubt, he's like, hey, listen, handle me. Touch, put. He gave him exactly what he needed in that moment. Listen, one moment he was doubting. Listen, it says, it says, uh, uh, he says, believe, and then it says, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. He was shouting in the moment. Thomas went from doubting to shouting. If you read the Psalms, that's how David was. Why are you doing this to me, God? People hate me. They want to kill me. I love you, Jesus. Like, that's how he lived his life. Like, one minute he went from doubting to shouting. But see, Thomas lived his life this way. There was something. And I think we have to live our lives this way. That, yeah, we might have doubts, but we got to keep showing up. We got to keep. And listen, I believe that in the middle of your doubt, Jesus wants to touch you in the middle of your doubt. I believe he wants to show himself real to you in the middle of your doubt, in the middle of your questions. Jesus wants to show himself strong on your behalf. Amen, everybody? God is not distant in your doubts. God is not distant in your doubts. Jesus is not a standoff savior. He's willing to touch you in the middle of your doubts, just like he did Thomas. Listen, if he feels far from you today, reach out to him. He's reaching out for you. If he feels like he's far away from you, then all of a sudden you need to start to reach out. Listen, you can question, you can wrestle, you can struggle. You might be, you might be questioning today. You might be wrestling today. You might be struggling today. You might be doubting today. Thomas asked questions, but Thomas also got answers. And listen, Thomas served Jesus faithfully. Tradition says that Thomas was martyred. Don't give doubt a bad rap. Just allow doubt to drive you to Jesus. Don't allow doubt to sit you on the sideline. It literally, tradition says that Thomas was martyred in India in 72 AD for not backing away from his faith in Christ. They drove a stake through his stomach because he would not surrender the lordship of Jesus Christ in his life. He went from doubter to martyr. Peter was a doubter. He was sitting at the fire with the youth group and denying Jesus. But somewhere along the line, he had an encounter where Jesus said, listen, I know you're doubting. I know you're struggling. But listen to me. You're, I got plans for you. I got plans for you, boy. Listen, go feed my sheep. And all of a sudden, on Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out. Who stands up? The doubter. The one that denied him at the fire. The doubter stands up and say, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In my last, in last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your, dream, your, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. All my handmaidens and all my maidservants, I'll pour out my spirit. 3,000 people said yes when a doubter spoke. A doubter that turned into a shouter. A doubter that had an encounter. I believe doubt attracts Jesus to us. That just messed with you, didn't it? I don't think Jesus is uphold with your doubt. I don't think he's uphold with your questions. He's actually coming closer to you. 
He wants to answer those questions in a way that brings freedom in your life. Your doubts, number two, your doubts don't disqualify your faith. In life, you're going to have moments where you're going to question. You're going to want an answer, and you're not going to have an answer yet. And here's what happens in these moments. There's somebody involved in this moment called the devil. And what happens is, is the devil will try to use your doubt to drive you away from God. The devil will say things like, you're not a real believer. You don't have perfect faith. This stuff is not real. The church doesn't care about you. God's not involved in your life. He's not good. He doesn't love you. He's not with you. He's not forgiving you. You've been too bad. You've been too filthy. The devil will use your doubt to try and drive you away from God. But God can use your doubt to draw you to himself. Because God is so good that in the middle of Thomas's doubt, he drew him to himself. I'm going to grab a chair, if that's okay, seeing that all of you are sitting. And I want to tell you about my week. I had a week this week. Any of you else have a week this week? I had a week this week. I'm just getting my notes for reference. I had a week this week. And my, I was sitting in a building meeting this week. Is it okay if I be transparent with you for just a minute? Are you okay with that? You probably, some of you people are like, I've never been to a church where the pastor's really transparent and sits in a chair. Well, welcome to our church. I was sitting in a building meeting this week and listening to these guys talk about where we're headed. All of a sudden, something on the inside of me, I went into a panic attack in this moment. The inside of me started shaking uncontrollably. And I was sitting there in this moment and this panic attack hits me and these questions start coming. What if I screw this up? This, the, what, if, what, if, what if I screw this up? What if it's, what if it's not God? Things, things like, did you, did you really say, God, that this is the direction we should go? I'm sitting in this moment of this panic attack. I asked myself and this thing came on me where... Am I qualified to leave these wonderful people in this next season? Am I qualified? I'm sitting in a vision building meeting, doubting. I'm having this moment, and some would say, well, pastor, that's a lack of faith. Or was it? And then all of a sudden, in my heart, I started to dialogue. And the word faith rose up in my heart. It takes faith. It takes faith. And, and this word faith just kept rising. And, 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 I, and I, it was like, it will always take faith. Not faith in faith, but faith in him. And in the middle of the panic attack, in the middle of the moment, now it wasn't physically like convulsing on the table, that's weird, like in the middle of a building meeting with the builder and the architect. I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? 
it was all internal. And all these questions were happening in my heart. And all of a sudden, faith. It takes faith. It's always taken faith. Whether it was when we started to actually say, in the middle of a 40-day fast, I say the middle, the end, because God never does anything early and he wants me to suffer for 40 days. <laughs> Day 40, he speaks to me and says, this is the area you're supposed to be in. You want to talk about, everybody thinks that's an easy moment. Oh, I just say it, that's easy. <laughs> that's a moment of risk. That's a, that's a moment where you're like, hey man, like what do you do with that? There was times through the seven months of us meeting in a house when we were getting ready to launch the church going, what if nobody shows up? I've just asked these 12 families to jump on board with a dream that I'm not even sure, I don't even know what's going to happen. It takes faith. It took faith in the moment. It takes faith today. When we were believing for $176,000 for trailers and all this equipment that we needed, almost 12 years ago. It took faith. In the middle of my doubt, faith happened. Because in the middle of this building meeting, I felt the Lord begin to pull me closer in my doubt, in my questioning. And listen, don't come up to me after church and be like, oh, pastor, we know you got this. I, I, don't, I, I love you. Amen. I love you. But these are real things that I wrestle with. If you don't wrestle them with them, you're probably ignoring them and you have a fake face on. You're living behind a mask, if you will. So in that moment, this, this kind of this phrase, faith isn't the absence of doubt. Faith is the means to push through it. Faith isn't the absence of doubt. Faith is the means to push through it. So in that moment, I gathered my insides. And I said, no. I won't, I won't believe everything that I just heard on the inside of me because I'm living by faith. And, 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 and the doubt came, but doubt doesn't win because the Lord's drawing me closer and faith is the means to push through it. And so now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And all of a sudden, faith starts to rise in my heart and I get up out of the building meeting and I get into my car and I turn on the gratitude song. And I start to, start to sing, you got a roar on the inside of you, young man. All I can do in this moment is throw my hands up and say, hallelujah, you're good. Faith isn't the absence of doubt. Faith is the means to push through it. Psalm 23, 4 says it this way. Yay. Come on, somebody. Yay. Yay. Yeehaw! Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You're going to walk through some shadows of death. You're going to walk through some shadows of doubt. But hear me today, church. I will fear no evil, for he is with me. 
I, I will wrestle with God. I will, I will know his promise. I will walk through the valley of the shadow of doubt. Listen today, don't let doubt be your dead end. Keep walking, keep asking, keep searching, keep showing back up. And if you have doubts, you have questions, come to Jesus. Hear me. If you have questions, if you have doubts, keep asking, keep walking, keep searching, and come to Jesus because faith is a journey, not a destination. In our doubts, he pulls us closer into himself. Now, I was very transparent with you about where I was this week. Don't use it against me. But pastor, I don't know. Do you think we're going in there? you think? Yes, I do. I know without a shadow of a doubt. I know which way we're headed, and I know what God's got for our church, and I know where he's taking us. You know why? That's why we're going to keep walking. That's why we're going to keep searching. That's why we're going to keep asking. That's why we're going to keep giving is in the middle of our doubts. Faith will rise up in the middle of it, and he'll draw us to himself. So listen, if you have doubts, come to Jesus. If you're struggling, come to Jesus. If you're uncertain, come to Jesus. If you're having questions, come to Jesus. If you have sexual baggage, come to Jesus. If you have secret addictions, come to Jesus. If you have church hurt, come to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is over your doubts. So in this room right now, every eye opened and everybody looking around. If you have doubts, come to Jesus. This is something I never do sometimes, but I'm doing it today. If you have doubts, come to Jesus. What's that mean? I want you to get out of your chair, and I want you to come right up here to the front because I want to pray with you. And I believe as you take a step, you take a step towards God, God's going to take a step towards you. He's going to take a step towards you. If you're struggling, come to Jesus. If you're not born again, come to Jesus. If you've been walking around doing your own thing for a long time, come to Jesus. If you've questioned whether or not he's real, come to Jesus. I believe the resurrection and the life will show himself to you today. If you're uncertain, come to Jesus. If you have questions, come to Jesus. If you have sexual baggage, come to Jesus. If you have uh, secret addictions, come to Jesus. If you have church hurt, come to Jesus. So come. Come, get out of your chair and come up here to the front. I want to pray for you. Come on, come on, come on. I'm transparent with you. Be transparent with God today. You take one step towards him, he's going to take 15 steps towards you. There's no shame in this game. This is real life church. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that in the middle of your doubt, God is rejecting you. Come on, man. Come to Jesus. Get get on the altar. This is a step. We're just calling an altar today. Just kneel down before the Lord if you physically are able to. Just kneel down before the Lord. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.